When we study scripture, one of the things that we notice is what is being said and then what questions accompany what is being said. So, for example, in today's first lesson from Acts, Peter says confidently, I truly understand that in God, he shows no partiality. Now, why is this a big deal? Why does it matter that Peter says this? Why does he say it with the confidence that he does? Why does it seem like something he needs to say? I don't know if you know much about Peter, but he was one of the very first followers of Jesus, left his fishing nets and followed him. He stuck with Jesus through his whole journey. Well, almost. He was with him day in and day out of Jesus's life and ministry in the miracles that he did, accompanying him in his teaching. They ate together. They slept in the same place. They journeyed together throughout Galilee. Peter is the one who first identified Jesus as the Messiah. And he promised to go with Jesus to the very end. Yet you might remember that Peter had a moment of weakness. And in the night when Jesus was betrayed and Peter was outside warming himself by the fire, someone asked him if he knew Jesus, the guy that was in there being tried. And if you recall, Peter said no. In fact, three times he said no. It was heartbreaking to Peter after the death of Jesus to realize what he had done. But in the resurrection of Jesus, Jesus came to Peter and assured him of forgiveness. And with that, Peter felt empowered to go and share the good news that he had known in Jesus. Jesus' love for him, Jesus' love for all people, and the life that Jesus offers us. And yet, it was difficult in those first few months and years following Jesus' resurrection to make sense of who was a part of this group that was following Jesus. What was required of them in order to be counted among the faithful, the people of the way? Peter had long advocated for circumcision for all men who were coming into the faith of following Jesus because Jesus was a Jew, and Jesus did not come to abolish the law. He said that clearly, but to fulfill the law. And so Peter, in his faithfulness, wanted to uphold the law and bring people into the law as they sought to follow Jesus. Something happened, though, for Peter. One night he had a dream, and in it a sheet was lowered, and it was opened up, and there were animals of all kinds, including hooved animals, split-hooved animals, that were forbidden for Jews to eat. And in that vision, when he saw that sheet lowered and all those animals in there, he heard a voice say to him, Peter, get up and eat. And Peter, out of his faithfulness, said, No, Lord, I will not eat anything that's unclean. And the voice said to him, Peter, do not call anything unclean that I have made clean. And that was the moment that Peter realized, I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but anyone who believes in him and relies on his name is a part of the kingdom. This was radical news to him, and that's why he had to proclaim it. 
I want to tell you a story about Joan. I talked to her just a couple of days ago, and I got her permission, so it's all good. Joan I knew in New Jersey when I served there, so some 13 years ago. And she was one who was baptized as an adult woman. She was in her early 40s. She and her husband had attended that church for all of their child's uh, children's growing up years, so it had to be close to 15 by that time. And the thing about Joan was that she was Jewish, and her husband was Episcopalian, and they had decided before they got married that they would raise their children in the Episcopal Church with the understanding that she wouldn't be coming. She did, though, come on the big days, Christmas and Easter, for the sake of being family together in the pew, and she would show up when the kids had a special thing or were singing in the choir. But at every occasion in those services when it came time for communion, she would turn herself sideways in the pew and motion people to go past her, and she'd say, I'm Jewish, I'm Jewish, I'm Jewish. And so they would go forward for communion, and this was how it had been for 15 years. But then Joan said to me, Whitney, I want to be baptized. And I said, that's wonderful. So we began to prepare for her baptism. We have several times in the year that we do baptisms. And in our staff meeting, in our planning, I would say, I said, you know, Joan's going to be baptized. And people said, Jewish Joan? I said, yeah, Jewish Joan. In fact, it came up several times when I would tell people that, you know, this is what's happening on a baptism. These are the people being baptized. Several times people said, you mean Jewish Joan? I said, yes, Jewish Joan. And so I said to Joan, can you say something at the conclusion of your baptism? People don't know what sense to make of this. And if you would be willing to offer a few words, I think people would be helped by that. And she said, sure. And so there she stands on the Feast of the Baptism of Our Lord. It was the January baptism date. And she says to the congregation, the Jewishness of me is still here, but I have accepted Jesus. This is all part of her narrative. And when I was talking to her just a couple of days ago, she said, yes, I still introduce myself as a nice Jewish girl who's been baptized and confirmed. They moved to a new town just about a year or so ago when she said we are visiting various churches, and that's how I always introduced myself to the priest when I came and we visited. When she spoke about how this came to be, her baptism, she spoke about this very passage from Acts. It opened up for her. She heard it in a way that she had never heard it before, and she realized that she was a part of the body of Christ too, and that she didn't need to check part of herself at the door or to deny part of herself in order to be a part of the kingdom. And that's why she is still a good Jewish girl who's been baptized and confirmed. Peter came to realize what it meant for Jesus' resurrection and the salvation of all creation. And we hear that from him. We also hear it from Paul, who is the one speaking in the first letter to the Corinthians. He talks about what happened in him, also a Jewish man, and he also advocated for the universal salvation of all creation. Perhaps you recognize Paul's words in, a play, he, in two of his letters. He talks about, in Christ there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. He is saying that not because he envisions us as one big blob of humanity in accepting Christ as our Savior. No, what he's saying is we retain the uniqueness of who we are, even in the kingdom. We don't have to deny that we're Jew or Greek, or that we're slave or free, or that we're male or female. 
All of that is caught in the salvation of Christ. And so what does that mean for us here and now? I think of our sign out front, love your neighbor. It lists all whole sort of varieties of neighbors. It is far from comprehensive to be sure. We don't have love your enemy neighbor there. But it reminds us, at least a little bit, of the interconnectedness of all of us. That salvation is for all of us, or it's for none of us. We're either all saved or we're all condemned. The interconnectedness of each of us, the webs of relationships that we have, link us together in creation. And Jesus, in his death and resurrection, reminds us that salvation is for all. And so we have to work that out. It might be tempting to think that our salvation is a private affair, something between me and my God. But that would be misleading. Our salvation is personal. The God of all creation does know the uniqueness of each one of us. But it is not private. It is public. The salvation of each of us is reflected in the salvation of all of us. I'm reminded of a prayer from the mission of the church, and it's with this prayer that I want to conclude the sermon this morning. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, you stretched out your arms of love on the hardwood of the cross that everyone might come within the reach of your saving embrace. So clothe us in your spirit that we, reaching forth our hands in love, may bring those who do not know you to the knowledge and love of you for the honor of your name. Amen. Amen.